Taxi driver Liu Shouling is doing her part for the Chinese economy. She puts in 12 hours a day, picking up passengers and taking them where they want to go. She likes this better than her last job as a checkout clerk. More freedom, she says. There's just one thing: the smog is getting to her. I can feel it. I never coughed before. I didn't feel it in the past. But a few days before the Spring Festival, when Beijing has the、uh, smog weather every day, I felt itchy my throat. It definitely has something to do with the pollution here. A couple of months back, the chairman of Sinopec, one of China's big oil refining state enterprises, was quoted in the state-run wire service Xinhua as saying that most gasoline in China is refined to a lower standard than people realized. Causing more pollution. Taxi driver Liu says she's not happy to hear that. She knows that refining gas to a higher standard costs money, but so does taking care of her health after inhaling all this smog. Sinopec later denied that its chairman Fu Changyu said all that about refining standards, but he did say this in March to Shanghai's Dragon TV. He said, "We need to raise the national standard of fuel quality. No matter how high the cost, there should be no excuse. State enterprises are supposed to help people have better lives. People shouldn't be made victims because we're looking at the bottom line." All very laudable, but many Chinese are skeptical that state enterprises really have their best interests at heart. State enterprises may have started out decades back with the mission of serving the people, but they've developed a flair for serving themselves. At the National People's Congress in March, state enterprise execs mingled with political leaders and entrepreneurs. Eighty-three of the delegates are dollar billionaires in a country where resentment about the concentration of wealth among party elites is growing. China's new leaders are trying to dial it down. New Premier Li Keqiang touched on it at a news conference winding up the annual legislative session. We need to win the trust of the people and bring benefits to them by practicing frugality in government affairs. And you could see some signs of that. For a start, there were none of the usual gaudy floral arrangements up front, and. Spending on official hospitality, overseas trips for official business, and the purchase of official vehicles will decrease, not increase. So some shark's fin soup restaurants are hurting, and liquor stores. But how does this address the deeper problem that China's income gap is now one of the biggest in the world? That party elites and their friends have amassed great fortunes in part because of the favored position of state enterprises. Nearly all of the 40 mainland Chinese companies on the Fortune 500 list are owned by the government, but a report by the private Chinese economic research group Unirol a couple of years ago found that for every dollar of investment, private companies in the industrial sector earn almost 50 percent more than their state enterprise counterparts. Take away the subsidies and free land that state enterprises get, and their real return dips into negative numbers. Jim McGregor is a Beijing-based business consultant with 20 years' experience in China. To give these companies their due, without state planning, state banks, you would never have the infrastructure that we have today in China. The problem is that day has now run out, because they add zero growth. 
It's private businesses that add growth and jobs and innovation to China's economy. Just ask multimillionaire entrepreneur Zhao Youshan, a gruff, plain-talking 63-year-old. Zhao, who was a soldier and then a cop in his youth, says he started China's first private gas station in his hometown of Harbin, not far from Russia. That was in the late 1980s when he says it was easy starting a private business. He says banks back then liked loaning money to private entrepreneurs because they were more likely to pay it back than state enterprises. But he says that started to change in the late 1990s. That was when the government let thousands of money-losing state enterprises go bankrupt. Some 50 million workers lost their jobs. The central government took direct control of 121 state enterprises in key strategic sectors, including oil and gas, and let many of them establish monopolies. Zhao Youshan now heads an association of private businesses in the oil and gas industry, and he says these monopolies weren't what former leader Deng Xiaoping had in mind when he started economic reform more than 30 years ago. He says Deng said resources should be shared fairly and enterprises treated equally, but China's state enterprises are the only ones allowed to import crude oil, and they don't always make it available to private refineries. Zhao says there are additional bureaucratic hoops that private companies have to jump through, like getting a stamp of approval from politically connected agents who know little or nothing about the industry. He sees this as a form of corruption. Since their fees can be as high as half the value of a project, or even higher, Premier Li Keqiang promised sweeping reforms meant to help the private sector. The reform is about curbing government power. It's a self-imposed revolution. It would require real sacrifice, and this would be painful. Then we are determined to make that sacrifice. Tell that to vested interests in China that don't like pain, like families of top leaders who have made fortunes by working a system that favors them. Still, a World Bank report that Premier Li himself commissioned says if China wants sustainable growth, it has to change both the structure of its economy and who it benefits. Yukon Huang is the former World Bank country director in China. Now, some people say. That's just a question of level playing field between state enterprises and private enterprises. Actually, as an economist, it's not true. You can never get a level playing field because the private enterprise will not expand or do something knowing that there's a state enterprise which is potentially protected. To me, it's actually the state getting out of certain kinds of activities and basically saying, "I will not be involved in those areas. I will actually get out." Which is easier said than done. State enterprise bosses are often senior party cadre who may outrank the government officials trying to regulate them. Chi Jingmei heads the economic forecasting department in the government's state information center. She says, in the past, state enterprises haven't had to send much of their profits to the government, so senior executives have gained enormous wealth, and corruption has become a serious problem. The private entrepreneur Zhao. Couldn't agree more. He says, if the government doesn't get serious about cracking down on corruption, it will lose popular support. 
the people will no longer listen to them. People will think, if you bribe, then I'll bribe too. It's every man for himself. That's a scenario China's new leaders are desperate to avoid. They say cracking down on corruption is a top priority. But when four activists recently said to top leaders, "Great, start by declaring your own assets," the activists were promptly detained. What the government has done is order state enterprises to share at least a little more of the wealth in the form of higher dividends. But there's resistance there too. Change comes slowly in a system where the spoils have long gone to the powerful, and where there's neither real rule of law nor enough checks and balances on power. Economist Yukon Huang says political reform is long past due. He says, "Think of China's economy as a big round Chinese dining table with one central pillar. Think of the pillar as the party, the government, the state-owned enterprises, and the state banks, all working together to support and expand the tabletop, the economy itself." But a Chinese dining table, once it gets too big, with one pillar collapses. So the real struggle in China is to move to a Western dining table, where the key players become different legs that can hold up a much bigger table. Different legs. That would mean separating the party, the government, the state banks, and state enterprises, and the courts, and that would mean a loss of control, something the party's been none too keen on. For now, its approach is to keep the wobbly Chinese table, but try to improve the service. It'll be quite a balancing act to carry off. For the world, I'm Mary Kay Magstad in Beijing.